1: Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I am Jalen. I am here with my co-host and friend, John. John, it's always good to see you. How are you doing? And hey, Jalen, it's good to see you too. Um, I feel like I feel like I haven't seen you in a
0: while, but I think it's just because we recently recorded an episode that probably will come out right before this one where you were busy and unavailable. So for like the first time, I recorded solo with our guest. Yep. So it feels like it's been a while since we've recorded together in person, even though I think it's probably only been like a week and a half. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, It's been a busy week for me, um, especially this weekend. Uh, Our youth group was on retreat this weekend. So we had about 80 students um, up at a retreat site a little bit north of San Francisco and um, got to hang out with our students. Like I'm not the youth pastor at our church, but I think because of my role now as the next gen pastor, I get the privilege of going on the retreat with them. Uh, I have a ton of fun and um, mostly did kind of behind the scenes stuff. Uh, I ran the computer during worship, which is, you know, it's, it's not the thing I normally do at church, but you know what, I'm going to do that as best as I can. And, uh, felt like I was pretty good at running per presenter. So yeah, it was good time up on, uh, up on the mountain with them. Our speaker was a good friend of both of ours. Um, Dan Bull, who, uh, we've, I believe we've had on the podcast yes we've had dan yes. on the podcast <laughs> that's right uh, and so dan was out here speaking for us and i got to hang out with him take him around sf a little bit um and so it was just a good time a lot of fun
1: yeah but
0: what about you how's your week been
1: yeah it's been good uh like you said um i wasn't able to meet we weren't able to do that podcast recording earlier um just a lot of things going on at church um challenging things but that's just the nature of ministry life right but uh my mom was in hong kong for about three months and so she just came back last week and so i was of course excited for my mom to come back but um let me just take you back to the past for a little bit first to kind of Mm -hmm. shape this story uh we were as a family i was there with um my wife and our kids in 2018 and back then uh, Starbucks had these um, these like specialty mugs that were uh, y- unique to where their Starbucks store is, right? Yeah. And so, in the states, of course, you can get ones from Illinois and California, and you know, you can get ones from Disneyland or Disney World or whatever. So, we try to collect some of these mugs wherever we go. Mm-hmm. In Hong Kong, they have specialty Hong Kong Starbucks mugs. Yes, and so in 2018, we bought one. Um, a few years later, we dropped it and it cracked. And oh, it was, no. no joke, my favorite mug because it's from Hong Kong, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's super, it was cool design. And so my mom went back and um, ever since we broke it, we've been looking, we've been like, well, how do we get another one of these Hong Kong mugs if we don't just go there? And um, you know, on eBay, they're like $50. Hmm. Like we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we discovered that we could order it here online and then ship it to my grandma's my grandma's house where mom is staying and then she could just bring it back oh so we ordered two of them and i know our listeners can't see it but here's my hong kong mug
0: oh that's pretty awesome it's yeah
1: very it's cool. a great mug so we got two of them i'm super happy of course i was happy to see my mom but one of the first things i asked her was can i get my mug and of <laughs> course <laughs> nice i got my mug so very excited about that
0: yeah yeah no that's that's awesome glad that you could get that mug but that's actually a great segue jalen because i want to share about our guests for tonight so you just got these uh your mugs from your mom special delivery from hong kong and on our podcast tonight actually my mom is joining us um for our conversation um tonight not just my my mom but also um my mom and then another good good friend of ours someone who we have known for a long time and so i want to introduce um because they, uh, I want to make sure I get their titles uh, right for our listeners, but we have on tonight, Drs. Jane Mon and Jacqueline Sang-Chen, and both of them are licensed clinical psychologists serving in the, uh, in Illinois, in the Chicagoland area, and we have them both on um, to sh- just talk with us a little bit about mental health, and I think this is a topic that we've addressed before on the podcast, but feel like we don't have enough conversations uh, on. But again, I want to reiterate that, um, you know, Dr. Mon, I knew her before she had that title as mom. And Dr. Chen, we both knew her, grew up with her, and knew her as Jackie. And so we're going to refer to both of them using the names that we're most comfortable with. Obviously, you're not going to call my mom mom, but I definitely will. So I will
1: call her Jane Yee, Yee or Auntie Jane. That's right. That's right. So mom,
0: Jackie, we are so glad that you guys are on the podcast with us tonight. Really excited for this conversation.
1: Thanks for hopping on with us. Thanks for
2: having us. Likewise.
1: here. Yeah. yeah. Thanks again for joining us. We're excited that we can do this. And I feel like this is a, a, a bit of a family reunion over zoom, which is great. Um, but yeah, if you could maybe just start by sharing a little bit about how you felt called to um, go into psychology and um, doing the, the work that you're doing, which is a really needed thing. Uh, maybe a little bit about how your faith impacts how you got into your profession. Um, and we'll start with Auntie Jane first, and then Jackie, I'll have you go after that.
3: Okay. Uh, well, I did, I started out in my training as a social worker. Okay, not as a psychologist. So yeah, I practiced uh, in, the, uh, in the mental health field as a licensed, uh, say, LCSW, licensed clinical social worker. And, uh, and then, soon, so I've been doing that for a while. And then I became a Christian uh, in grad school. So after grad school, I think and one of the things I struggle with is that being a Christian, it should make a difference in my profession. So since then, then I start uh, working in the Christian-based organizations, working with abused children and foster children. And then after that, um, I feel called to Trinity uh, and pursue my degree in uh, in religion. It's kind of like a biblical study. So though with that, I still continue as a social worker doing, uh, doing counseling in the mental health field. But I think that's always the issue of, um, as a Christian, I want... Mm, I feel if my faith doesn't make a difference in my profession then somehow my faith is in vain so with all that uh, that kind of uh, tension i went to wheaton and pursue a doctorate degree in psychology and clinical psychology because i think my social work training is adequate in the mental health field but i want to to know more of an intrapersonal something within myself knowing person the intra aspect so i went to wheaton and then tried to uh tried to kind of integrate my faith and my professional practice and I think in Witten, one of the things that kind of um, really started solidified for me as far as the passion in in, man, in the mental health field is uh, it's kind of a, a hope it's kind of um as but say? Well, has a is co- a core thing of uh, serving underserved population so at that time I feel the underserved population is uh, church pastors, and the families and church leaders, not just pastor, deacons, and various leadership, and and the families in the mental health uh, struggle, and also in the emotional health. So that kind of, uh, uh, I would say, solidified my passion for the last uh, 15 years and over, leading me to go to Hong Kong teaching in the seminary and having a chance to work with uh, MDF students, and subsequently they are all in pastoral field
0: that kind of is my journey until now awesome uh jackie what about you what's your journey been like how how did you end up doing what you're doing
2: yeah so um in college i actually majored in more business aspect i did mass communication so i was doing public relations and advertising and during that time i served at teen camp which i'm sure you guys have talked about on this podcast <laughs> as well as um, we all kind of went to teen camp around the same time. But later on, after college, I became a teen camp counselor. And I really thought, I think I think it was that that really drove me to loving the one-on-one communication, kind of what Janie E was referring to, um, but also having that interpersonal relationship with people and getting to know people on a deeper level. And so actually during that time, I was going to apply to MBA schools. And then I also was like, you know what, I'm just going to try for clinical psychology, and hmm. ended up actually talking to your mom, Janie E., about Wheaton. And she was a great mentor for me. And so she, you know, um, sold it to me. And so then um, I went there, and I did not know what I was in for. But it was a wild ride in, I think, in my graduate uh In my graduate program, and my graduate journey, I was just kind of all over the place. And I really feel like, like Janie said, uh, Wheaton kind of really emphasizes serving the underserved. And so that just really changed everything I kind of believed in, everything that I wanted to do and my calling. And so it really helped me to focus on. And so there's two aspects there's therapy and assessment in clinical psychology so I do more of the assessment and what that looks at is more um, cognitive strengths and weaknesses and so I've I kind of feel like where God has really been consistent through my journey in graduate school and now in my profession is that um, I kind I work with people who you know uh, who need someone to advocate for them. They're vulnerable in, individuals who don't necessarily have a traditional space in society. Hmm. And so it's like children who are who think differently or learn differently or it can go even be adults who um, have been through a traumatic experience and can't work the way that we all work. So that's kind of been my journey and right now I'm currently working at a rehabilitation hospital. That, uh, and I do assessments and to help people find, you know, a place in society basically for them.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I think just hearing, I mean, for sure, this is not the first time that I've heard both of you talk about um, the things that God has called you to do. And um, but I think just being reminded of how we're on this journey um, and the Lord uses both our experiences um, to to draw us into You know the life that he has for us, and um, yeah, and also our passions uh, to to do that as well. And so I think yeah, it's just it's just cool to to have you guys on our podcast tonight and to share about that. I think we just want to dive right into um, this topic. So uh, the question that I want to start with, maybe, and we'll start with Jackie, is you know for both of you guys, you have served in um, and were raised in the Chinese Heritage Church. Well, I think technically, Mom, you were you were you were not since you came you came to know the Lord uh, in grad school, but you have spent significant time both of you um, over you know the last 20, 30 years of uh, being connected to or in the Chinese Heritage Church, and I think we all know that um, when it comes to mental health. Um, Sometimes there are certain stigmas that are attached to the different things that people may struggle with. Um, Some of those are like, I think, connected to our ethnic culture. But I also think some of those are connected to our faith culture. And and so I was wondering if you could just maybe share what are some of those stigmas that you've seen over the years that uh, are particularly prevalent in um, the Chinese Heritage Church around the issue of mental health? we'll start with Jackie on this one.
2: Yeah. I think the biggest thing that um, kind of struck me was that growing up, I kind of felt that mental health issues were related to spiritual issues, which I do agree with that. I do think that there's some component to it. But in the sense that a lot of people would talk about mental health as if you if you had mental health problems then it's probably because you're having a spiritual problem and you're not a strong enough christian mm-hmm. and so you know it's hard now growing up to to see whether those were like underlying things or things that people outright said but i think you know a lot of times now looking back when there were people that were depressed or anxious about something there were a lot of times uh you know counselors or people who are serving would say well you just really need to find the joy in god or you need to kind of trust in the Lord so that your anxieties go away. And so I think that's kind of when I went to graduate school and also before that, just really realizing that, you know, yeah, they are related, but when you put it in that way, I think people kind of feel like it's their responsibility to deal with it alone. And then that it's their responsibility and that they can get rid of it alone mm-hmm. and by
3: themselves.
0: Mom, what about for you? What are what are some of the stigmas that You've seen or encountered along the way.
3: I think Jackie mentioned the the spiritual aspect or the or the faith aspect, which is very true. And uh, on top of that, I'll throw in maybe the cultural aspect, because when we talk about stigma uh, uh, pertaining to mental health, and definitely that is the general stigma that in general we see mental health uh, as quoted someone someone crazy, someone is uh, someone couldn't handle himself or herself. Okay. But then, from cultural perspective, uh, we also have the additional dynamic that, especially the, the Asian culture, the, uh, which is the the model minority myth. Which is uh, as an Asian Americans, we 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 are highly we endure,
1: hmm. uh,
3: we rise above adverse situation. If we try hard enough, we can do it. We we can control things. So that kind of throw it into the arena of mental health which means that if you have mental health issue, that it's it's your problem you're weak, you don't work hard enough you don't just kind of uh, get out from that. So I think from the cultural perspective that that um, modern minority myth adds to the additional stigma hmm. in the, in addition to the faith aspect and the general general aspect of a uh, stigma that is associated with mental health.
1: I think that's, I think that's very insightful. Um, do you think that attitudes within specifically like Chinese heritage churches or maybe the the Asian American um, demographic has shifted in recent years around mental health? Has that, has, has it improved? Has it gotten worse? Um, has it kind of stayed the same?
3: To answer your question, let me just add another point that I think it's also important pertaining to what uh, John's question other than a model minority myth, I think it's a shame aspect, which is very, very dominant in Asian American. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that kind of added to the added stigma. Which so from that point to response to Jaden's question, I think the dynamic has been shifting to shifting for good, for hopeful, mm-hmm. for, for more positive elements. Uh, for one thing, is that the awareness is there because of the COVID situation. So not just not just in America; it's pretty much globally. We all talk about mental health, with awareness uh, mm-hmm. even among Asian Americans, mm-hmm. especially with COVID, all the violence, all the discrimination, all the impact on depression, anxiety. So I think it's shifting uh, because of that the context. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the shift also means the shame aspect, which Asian Americans tend not to talk about that, but the small people are willing to talk about that, uh, how we see shame, how it affects us, how we not just see the shame of ourselves as, as having mental health issue, but it reflects on your family, and you don't want to bring shame to your family. You don't want people to make comments that, oh, your parents or your grandparents did something, the kind of um, eating you do to, to, to who you are right now. So that shame aspect to be more changing and people more willing to talk about it before it's more of a silent subject. I,
2: I do want to add that I agree with Janie E, but also it's interesting because I recently did some research on this, on just people who use mental health resources and Asian Americans are the very least one. So mm-hmm. everyone is, I feel like, doing better than before, like Janie, E. said, just because we are starting to talk about it and have a culture where it's acceptable. But at the same time, Asian Americans are the least to have these resources or use the resources that are given to them.
3: It's true. It's uh, definitely, it's still the least compared to, the openness compared to the other ethnic groups. But just an interesting comment. I would say 15 years ago when I was in the field of uh, clinical and doing therapy, among Asian Americans, Actually, just from my personal boat, uh, connection, uh, client base-wise, uh, among Asian Americans, Korean and Filipino are more open, way more open mm. than Chinese.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Hmm.
3: That is interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, I think this uh, this next question I think is kind of related to what we talked about regarding just you know aspects of shame and the the model minority myth, um, but but as you've Obviously, interacted a lot with Chinese heritage churches. What do you sense or what have you seen are some unique mental health challenges in a Chinese heritage church? Obviously, with um, intergenerational dynamics, with co- cross cultural dynamics, how does being in a Chinese heritage church kind of bring out some of the unique mental health challenges that, you know, uh, Chinese Americans would face?
3: I'm just trying to tie that into the previous question. About the stigma, and I think the unique thing is other than the the shame aspect that a Chinese American church would have to deal with in addressing the mental health issue. Practically speaking, I think uh, language-wise and culture-wise, make uh, make it more difficult for Asian American church to seek mental health. Uh, Therapists trained in the field of uh, doing therapy or assessment are skillful enough to do it, and and I think in general nowadays, a, any therapist training is very aware of the the cultural difference, so you don't you don't stereotype, you don't judge. But the awareness not necessarily able to translate into actual practice. So I think that's still a gap that. Um, a therapist that is able to really read uh, Asian American culture, when you try to encourage a client to be autonomy, how does it fit into an Asian American culture to be autonomy without without feeling dishonoring your parents or, or your culture? Hmm. So that possibly is a is an added challenge for Asian American church to find the appropriate, uh, of to find a the resourceful therapist.
0: Jackie, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, just what are some maybe challenges that are unique to uh, Chinese heritage churches because they are intergenerational or tend to be intergenerational and cross-cultural, maybe uh, multilingual as well.
2: Um, yeah, Janie brought up a lot of good points. I think something that really hit home with me in my dissertation uh, was kind of the acculturation uh, complex that I feel like maybe, you know, the second generation kind of feels. I think that there's so many differences in the first generation and the second generation. And, you know, we were brought and raised to do things a certain way. And now that we've kind of assimilated more into the Western culture, it's kind of difficult for our generation to figure out, okay, what am I bringing from my, you know, my parents, my ancestors, and then what do I want to bring to the next generation as well? And where do I take um, my culture and bring it at the same time? Where do I bring in the Western mm-hmm. things that we kind of learn? So kind of what Jeannie was talking about with um Asian Americans, we tend to really collect like collectively think together. And so because of that, I feel like there's so many good things. You know, we're all very close. We're, close knit and stuff like that. But at the same time, America is very wanting your children to be autonomous, wanting the next generation to be on its own. Mm -hmm. And so there's that struggle. And so a lot of, I feel like we're going to be struggling. Well, I have been struggling with all my life. And then now thinking about my kids who then are going to even start being one removed from me and being like, I can relate to you on some aspect, but then also I'm going to be even more assimilated into the Western culture. So I think with that, there does bring that internal conflict that Janie was talking about, we feel more shame, we feel more confused about what we're supposed to be like, and then we don't process it with anyone. And so I mm-hmm. think, John, John, I don't know if you remember this long time ago, we talked about uh, a lot of suicidal risks that were coming out in Chinese American churches. And I do feel like, especially in teens and young adults, mm-hmm. and so I do think it's the inner conflicts that people are kind of dealing with but not having a space to talk about it and process it that Mm -hmm. we're Mm -hmm. kind of seeing more suicides and suicides are actually higher in asian americans than they are in western cultures
0: yeah Mm. and i think that you know that is a good lead into our uh, to my next question which is you just mentioned like not having spaces to talk about the things that we're struggling with uh, or to be open about it and it factors in lots of different things like, um, having a high emphasis on shame and honor in our culture. Um, and so, you know, I think churches have a role to play in that, right? Obviously, um, this, this conversation is an intersection between, um, church ministry and, uh, clinical psychologists, uh, work or field. And I feel like, as a pastor, when I think about like, okay, I want us to have a space where we can, especially let young people, not just young people, but all people um, really process and think through like, what are the things that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with and then how do I get the help for that? But I think a lot of times churches, maybe they don't, they just don't know what to do um, when it comes to like creating that sort of environment or that sort of setting where uh, it's easy to, easier to talk about very difficult topics, because I don't think it's ever easy, but make it um, more accessible for people. So, what are some ways that you know churches, especially Chinese heritage churches, can really promote this uh, uh, a healthy perspective on mental health, and then specifically uh, promote a healthy perspective on how to pursue, you know, um, treatment or um, yeah, just pursue health when it comes to the way that we feel and think and um, process. And, and maybe, Jackie, will start with you.
2: Yeah, I think kind of things that what you guys are doing now, like bringing awareness, just simple things like that, I think are really helping churches, helping Asian Americans in general. But, you know, talking about it and really being someone who Not only talks about it, but leads by example, specifically emotions. I think in the Chinese culture and in churches, we don't really well, I shouldn't say in churches, but in Chinese culture, we're not so great about sharing our emotions. We're not so great Mm -hmm. about sharing when there's good a good day and a bad day, you know, Mm -hmm. especially the bad. And so it's funny because I do a lot of work with children and just even seeing how great they are at identifying their emotions, at telling people exactly what they need and you know like a three-year-old or even you know five-year-old um, I just really realized when I was working with them like, wow, I didn't really have that growing up. And so I think being able to have a space to just really be able to start talking about emotions, identifying emotions, and then processing emotions with people. Uh, but I will also say the biggest thing is, to break that stigma of people only go to therapy for severe mental illness. Right. I think mm-hmm. therapy mm-hmm. in general is good for anyone. Yeah. Uh, anyone can go and everyone should go. And it's just a place to better, better yourself.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, no, I love that. And, and I think as you were sharing, it kind of brought to mind two things. One is um, like talking about how we feel, uh, which again, that, to me, that seems like such a normal, like makes sense that you would you would kind of feel all your feelings and in healthy community have places to process it. But I also know that maybe it hasn't always been like that, or it's not always that way for everyone connected to the Chinese Heritage Church. And I wonder if it's even, you know, churches don't need to come up with like monumental new programs or new paradigms or whatever to start this work of letting, uh, encouraging their people to really be open about what they're thinking, what they're feeling. I think it can start with small things. So in my mind, maybe an example of this might be like in my young adult small group, um, something that we do every week at the start of small group is um, everyone just shares kind of their high, a high and a low from their week. And, um, you know, we may not have tons and tons of time in that setting to like dive deep into how people are feeling specifically, but I think it gives that space for, you know, for someone to just share like, Hey, I had a rough week this week and this is why. Or I had a good week this week and this is why. And I think in even in our small group we've had chances to like, okay, how can we come alongside and pray for someone as they're struggling with something during the week? But it also gives us an avenue for follow-up, right? Because we we will pray for them in the moment, but then also it gives us a chance, like for me or one of my core leaders to kind of come alongside that person later on that we can just check in on them. How are you doing? Um, you know, and, and, um, you know, that, that may be more on like a, a normal rhythm, but I think it, it kind of touches on what you just shared. Um, and, and then the other thing that, you know, uh, you were talking about is like, um, being able to talk to somebody or, um, process things like something that, that, and I don't mind sharing this on the podcast, like something that I, um, really have uh, appreciated and have the, uh, I'll just say, well, so free access to counseling, right? So for me, mom, you know, there were many, many times that I would be going through something at church or in ministry or in life in general. And I would come home and I would be like, mom, I need to talk to you. And I need to talk to you, not with your mom hat on. I need your I need your psychologist hat on, right? And then you would sit, and I'm sure that it's not exactly perfectly, like you can just completely disconnect those. But I think that we had, we had this understanding that I, I just need someone to listen to what I'm like what I'm going through and like and have a maybe a slightly different perspective than just like purely from a parent to a child. Um and, and I know that like I took advantage of that. You know, I don't need a referral. I don't need to go through insurance to just come home or give you a call, especially even when you were, like, all the way in Hong Kong. Like, you know, any time of the day, I'd just be, like, text you on WhatsApp. Uh, I think I need – I just need some help processing something or, like, I don't, just don't know what to do with this, you know. And, um, you know, I – again, like, obviously not everyone has – a parent who is a licensed clinical psychologist uh, that's been practicing for many years. But I do think that um, there are places where people can uh, ask for help and talk to someone and they just have, they have to find it and churches probably have to do a better job of connecting people to those resources and and stuff. So that was my little, I I think those are the two things that jumped in my mind, Jackie, as you were sharing. Um, But mom, I just same question for you. Like, are there ways that you feel like churches can do a better job of really uh, promoting just a healthy perspective on mental health or on mental health treatment, um, and that people or can connect people to resources for that or or whatever?
3: If I could try to kind of pull it back to say what could be done uh, to encourage that would be maybe to normalize the the mental health because which is what Jackie mentioned was the awareness which is what you talk about was the ability to be able to process. So when you process and talk about things that bother you and hopefully you don't get the sense that, that you're being judged as what's wrong with you as a pastor spiritually, how can you, you how can you, you how can you go through that? It's not possible. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So those two incidents kinda of make me think maybe one of the things is for us to to normalize in the sense that we all have mental health, good days and bad days.
1: Yeah.
3: doesn't necessarily mean that we are crazy. It doesn't necessarily mean that we are spiritually uh, inadequate. Uh, it's just that uh, when we have a bad mental health days, we need to process it with someone, we need to talk with someone, just so that we won't be falling to even spiral downwards. Okay. So so I think that the normalizing it and the knowledge that we all have that the mental health difficulties, it doesn't make us uh, weak, doesn't make us crazy, yeah. Mm -hmm. And actually to just to plug in that uh, when I teach uh, uh, counseling program and also the empty students in Hong Kong in the last 10 years, one of the things we always emphasize is that uh, the personal counseling as Jackie mentioned necessary because your problems for so personal growth. I mean, we all need to know ourselves. And how I know myself, ten years ago before I went to Hong Kong is different from me, who's now ten years later. And there are things that there are things I gained, there are things I lost, the things I changed. So those are things it's good to process with someone too, mm-hmm. to kind of get a better understanding of who I am. So oh. yeah. So hopefully the kind of. Uh, Bring back to the point as far as what church can do in general to
1: attitude, you. Mm-hmm. you. know, for a lot of our listeners, um, they're in ministry. A lot of them are pastors. Um, and I think for, for a lot of us as pastors, we, in our training, counseling was not, uh, it might've been a course or two unless we, that was a focus that we had. And so when we're thrown into ministry, obviously there's all these things that happen. Um, and, you know, I found, because of what we talked about in the past with, you know, uh, just with the stigma and uh, just with the challenges of feeling shame. If, if, and when somebody comes to me with an issue, I know it's, it's pretty serious, right? It's, it's at a point where they're, they're kind of, you know, grasping for straws. They're kind of at their wits end. Um, And I think for pastors who are in that situation, they come across a counseling situation. It can be overwhelming because, maybe we've taken a class or two back in seminary or back in Bible college. And now we're kind of thrown into this and certainly we have the word of God to rely on, but maybe uh, I don't know if this is necessarily fair to knowing how much training you guys have been through, but are there some quick sort of helpful um, tr- you know, advice that you would give for us as pastors? Like what are some things we can do in counseling the people in our congregation Um, some thoughts you might have maybe on how can a pastor prepare well for leading a person or a couple or somebody in their congregation who uh, needs help.
0: Yeah. Or, or even, and I'll add this, um, even are there ways to grow in this area uh, that might not be like, we may not be able to do a full, you know, uh, Doctorate of Psychology, like you guys have, but are there ways that we can grow and learn in this area um, as pastors? Are there resources for it? things like that?
3: I would I would say, first of all, I think it's important for pastors to be aware that you cannot you cannot play too many roles. I mean, preaching, teaching, discipleship, administration, and and everything. So counseling is one of the aspect that it's good you do. But you're not gonna play that additional role, because otherwise you, the boundaries to grow. Uh don't do roles, it's going to be too difficult for you to to minister. So I think knowing the the basic limitation helps. So this way a pastor would not feel guilty that I didn't do enough mm. and I need mm. to do everything for all my members, which I think is is detrimental yeah. to to the spiritual own spiritual life and their own relationship. So knowing the limitation is important. And then from that, we can move on to, in general, I think for the very basic thing is the, uh, able to know, to spot the problem, able to make referral. I think it's one of the basic, which tie in with the limitation. You don't kind of keep, keep doing it, recycling things with your, your member, because you figure that you need to help, you need to be able to do something. So I think able to make a referral. And I think in general, uh, Lately, I've been doing something called mental health first aid uh, recruitment, which is kind of increasing the awareness of pastoral staff and church leaders. When they see someone uh, who may possibly be struggling with their mental health, how to be aware of that, how not to be intimidated by that, uh, how to make necessary recruitment. Okay? So so that the basic training, I think it's good for for pastor or church leader, not just pastor, but church uh, leadership to, to have. And then more than that, if pastor uh, want to do more, I think a basic counseling skill is uh, necessary. Uh, a, a basic skills, in a sense, when I teach in Hong Kong, I teach basic counseling skill to all the pastors, which is teaching them how to listen, hmm. how to confront, uh, how to how to give feedback, how to share. Very basic, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need a very... Uh, advanced counseling skill but a basic skill so that you don't shut your member off you don't encourage them to say things just to please you Mm -hmm. you don't encourage them to say things just so that they could be spiritually strong but not necessary telling you everything so i think a basic counseling skill possibly would be
0: yeah awful i i think i need to take that class so maybe next time i'm back in chicago we can could sit me down for a, uh, a workshop or a seminar at home or something.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, Jane Yee, I, I really appreciate that, that, uh, that thought about, uh, giving the pastor freedom to refer out, because I think that a lot of times as pastors, we feel that burden of, this is somebody from my congregation. This is part of my flock. I have a, a, a weighty responsibility to feel like I have to do everything for this person. And I think, it's so helpful to know that there are really helpful uh, clinics and um, uh, psychologists and counselors who can be part of the process. Right. I think that's incredibly freeing to be, to be reminded as a pastor, like it doesn't all fall on, on me or on, on the pastor and, and to be leaning on, you know, the, the, the gifts that we have from God, which includes um, counselors and psychologists. And so I think that's super helpful to be reminded of. Um, Yeah. Jackie, did you have a thought on this?
2: Um, No, I think that Janie kind of hit every point that I would probably say. Um, But my biggest one is knowing when to refer out. Um, I do think also what she said about knowing the basic skills for listening. I've never known it until now, but there's a difference between, you know, listening to people and being an active listener. And I think just to further go on to this for, those who, for pastors who are doing counseling. Um, I think not always trying to have to fix or solve someone's problems, but just sitting with them in what may be a hard time for them or hard moments that they can't fix and just being a presence for them. Um, I also think, Janie, you already mentioned this, but, but, you know, not making sure it's a judgment-free zone hmm. and just being aware that there is this power play. And that's why you guys can't be their counselors in a way because you do need to have this space where people are freely talking to you and kind of what Janie said mm-hmm. you you, if that would if you were to become their counselor, you would be in this dual relationship. And it's hard because you're already someone that they see as an author, you know, like mm-hmm. as a Higher up, or as someone that is there a leader for them, and so I do think that that would be very difficult, especially if it's more severe mental illness that's going on.
0: Thank you for you know I, I think for that insight because it's it's helpful for for both of us and probably for a lot of our listeners who are um, you know have people that they've been entrusted with and how we want to. Uh, come alongside them. And I think, again, like just this, what you both have shared about knowing when to refer someone, that's probably the part where I personally, like, I feel like I need to grow in that because it's just like, there's not like a clear cut, at least in my mind, there is not a clear cut, like, okay, if they say this or this happens, then it, you know, it's, it's, uh, and so I think that what that tells me is that I need to grow in that area. And so, um, yeah, thank you for that reminder. Uh, I just to switch gears just for a little bit. Um, and, and I wanted to ask you both the question that I think thinks forward to uh, the future uh, of the Chinese heritage church. This is something that Jill and I and with other guests, we've talked a lot about, like um, what do we sense is coming for, uh, for us? And so, you know, if you're thinking forward, like maybe let's say the next five, 10, 15 years for, specifically maybe the Chinese Heritage Church. Um, How do you imagine or would you like to see what what would you be hopeful to see uh, when it comes to partnership between churches and, um, you know, the mental health profession? Like what, what would you like to see happen? Or what could you imagine as being this is helpful or good that we're moving towards this? Because I think that's something that I want to make sure that our listeners, as they're thinking through this topic, that there is that sense of like, okay, we can work towards something, and there's a sense of hope for where we're headed, um, you know. And yeah, so uh, I'll start with Jackie on that question. Like, when you think about partnership, um, what might be something that you feel like, yeah, we could we could move towards this, or it'd be, it would be good to move towards this.
2: I think. And, you know, it's funny because I I was talking to Janie about this, but even getting Asian American therapist and is, is difficult enough. And I know Janie has done her work in trying to rally the troops together. And I think that's amazing because I think in the future, what I would like to see is where pastors are able to just call up a counselor or refer them, like, okay, I I understand that this is out of my realm, so here are the people that I contact and Mm -hmm. we can see this person, right? And so, you know, I work in a medical setting and what I love about it is that everyone is just so, it's an interdisciplinary setting where we all work with the same patients. I can call someone and be like, hey, how are they doing in this area? And the person will tell me and that will inform me on how I treat them. And so I think the same in the same way in five years, I, I mean, it's going to take more than five years. But I would hope that it would be that where we can, hmm. you know, have churches and therapists kind of working hand in hand with the the Chinese American generation.
3: You know, to add on to what uh, Jackie just mentioned, uh, that working together. Um... I guess my mind was thinking uh, to to have that partnership. I think we need, need to start currently with the dialogue between pastors and counselors and knowing those two are two separate disciplines. So those, both separate disciplines have their own ethical obligation. Uh, both wants to protect the flocks. I, mean, I want to protect my clients. You want to protect the uh, people that you minister to. So I think we need to dialogue to know what's the limitation in partnership. Mm-hmm. Make sure to call up uh, because I trust you. I know what you're doing so I can make a referral. But it's also good to know that after I make the referral, then I need to honor the, the ethical boundary. I couldn't oversee everything. I mean, what Jackie mentioned within the hospital discipline is different. Uh, the only thing that would come along to the same page would be a church hiring a pastor to do counseling, a pastor to do discipleship, a pastor to do next generation. Then within a church, you have that interdisciplinary advantages. Like call you up about this, mm-hmm. this uh, member, and we can talk. But if you talk about referring out, then I think they do not need to start knowing what its, it's discipline limitation knowing what each discipline can offer so that we can work together. Hmm. So when, when a pastor refer out, doesn't have to feel that I'm taking over the flock. I'm not telling you anything about this person because it's none of the business, but more so because I want to protect its client. I want to honor his autonomy. We can work together, but we need to know uh, how far we can go. So I think that knowing what each other is doing uh, is a good start in order to pave the way for a few years later, then we have the freedom. I have different referral sources. I trust this person. Uh, I could just make a referral. And I just trust that if the person gets stuck in, the counselor gets stuck in any theological issue, and the counselor is not a the pastor, then mm-hmm. the counselor will feel comfortable enough to encourage the member. But those things you possibly need to seek out your pastor. Watch hmm. you get a pay understanding.
0: Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah knowing uh, knowing, kind of the boundaries of that, I think that's important.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I've really appreciated your your thoughtfulness from both of you and uh, just the expertise that you bring to this. Uh, you know, we, we typically ask this question as the last question, but for both of you, what's one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's serving in the Chinese Heritage Church, uh, maybe specific to what we've talked about? Doesn't have to be necessarily, but a piece of advice. And I'll start with you, Jane Yee, and then Jack, you can follow up with your thoughts.
3: A piece of advice: you only want one piece. I have you can, uh, <laughs> thousands.
1: You can keep. You can give as many as you want. Yep. You have a lot. I know.
3: Uh, I would say it's good to have the awareness. It's good to dialogue. It's good to to dip into it to know more. So I was the piece of advice I would say for a pastor or church leader who's interested in pursuing the mental health for the congregation. Then you need to ask, uh, why am I drawn to this? Okay. W- w- why is it I see it so important? Okay. Why is it I'm, I'm willing to step out to do it? But at the same time, I think and you also need to ask the other question. Your other church leaders may not be on the same page as you. Hmm. So instead of judging, um, resenting, or whatever, then you need to ask the next question. What's holding them back? for not pursuing they got the reasons they hold people are holding back not because they don't love the congregations not because they are just stubborn they have their own fear they have their own concern so i think it's valid to ask both questions why am i willing to step out and why is other people are holding back for their own it could be for good legitimate reasons so i think that that creates the understanding even among church people so you won't be moving faster then you kind of get discouraged or you won't be i don't want to move at all because my others are not ready so i hope that makes sense too
2: yeah mine kind of goes along with Janie East, but you know educating yourself about mental health i think nowadays it's so easy to get information obviously hopefully you're getting correct information but mm-hmm. you know even following mental health um professionals on instagram or you know TikTok, if that's what it is nowadays um <laughs> But yeah, just you know, understanding, especially if it, the community that you're serving, right? We're all different, we're all unique, but understanding Asian American, specifically Chinese, what's going on, and and then I would have to say, um, lead by example. If you want your uh, your participants to be um, seeking, you know, getting better seeking counselors, seeking therapists, I think that it would be great if leaders were also doing that and talking Mm -hmm. about it.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you both of you for just that encouragement, that advice. Um, I think that uh, just so valuable having both of your perspectives and your expertise on our podcast tonight. So I've really enjoyed this conversation. I wish we could talk longer and and more, Um, not just, I'm sure we are going to about to talk longer and more uh, once we hit the, the stop button on the recording. Um, but yeah, it was just great to have both of you on. So thank you so much.
3: Thank you. Mm, glad to be here.
0: That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.